On today's NoosaCast, we have wrestling guru Dan Scherenbrock. Tash and I forget and forgot, and we take an old look at new. And we always do our Red Smith Banquet Throwback. This week, we have the legendary UW marching band leader, Michael LaCrone. So what do you say? Let's get on with the show. Yeah, once, once you get sucked into that wrestling, you kind of stay in it. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Hey, NoosaCast listeners, welcome to another episode of our favorite podcast and hopefully becoming one of your favorite podcasts uh the NoosaCast. and we're uh we got a, a great episode um we're gonna learn all about wrestling not only wrestling from the standpoint of a a wrestler but from the standpoint of a coach a parent a ref as we get to interview dan sharon breck it was a lot of fun oh my gosh it absolutely was you know we we started as a lacrosse podcast we've now morphed into a wrestling podcast uh <laughs> no it's all good it's, it's yeah. one of those great you're absolutely right who knew that this guy lived in our neighborhood just an incredible man uh mentor to so many you know without him wrestling isn't isn't what uh what what you see now so super excited that's the, really the reason tash you and i do this for for conversations like that so i loved it it's just it's just telling somebody's story, right? That's right. Just and uh, if you didn't if you didn't know Dan, um, you're gonna get to hear his story, and uh, it, it's it's a uh, it's cool all the way from Ladysmith was you know right outside Ladysmith, Wisconsin, uh, Flambeau High School. Uh, so yeah, you get to hear a little bit about uh, his journey through the wrestling world as well. No, absolutely. And like you said, Tash, we like to tell stories. Do you have uh, any stories to tell me from your your past week? I don't have any huge stories. Uh, Nothing major has happened, you know, just watching my uh, ice rink turn into a duck pond again. <laughs> yes. That's that's pretty much uh, the bummer right now as far as my uh, my sons are concerned. And, you know, I, I'm sure at some point we'll be able to get back out there and and uh, get on the ice rink again. But uh, right now, it's uh, with the weather the way it is, not very good for ice skating. And what I'm worried about is once in a while, I like to get out and do some ice fishing well, that's not happening anytime soon. And the bigger thing is the sturgeon spearing in a couple of weeks. That's really looking iffy. Damn you, El Nino kicking our, you know what? <laughs> that's not good. It's not good situation right now. So um, hopefully those uh, winter sports enthusiasts get a little bit of a cold streak here and we uh, maybe get some snow and some ice for them. Uh, yeah. How about yourself, Joel? Yeah, I had a good week, Tosh. I, I actually had an enjoyable week. I probably shouldn't have enjoyed it as, as much as I did, but saw the uh, saw another epic showdown at Poplar Hall, Yonder Mountain String Band. Still just continued to be amazed at, at the bands that are playing there. I just blows my mind. I mean, they were just yeah, just a great show uh, with with a great group of people. We had a lot of fun, and um, man, we uh, we listened to some good music and 
caught a Badger game, was down down in Madison. Um, one of the things we, we actually talked to Dan about is, is he, he officiated in the Cole Center, the some of the state wrestling tournaments. And I happened to be down there for the, for the Badger uh, Michigan state game. And that atmosphere was epic as well. And, you know, got a little burger at the nitty gritty Tash had a good old time that night. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. It's good to hear. Yeah. Madison's a fun, fun town. Definitely a fun town. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of memories for sure. Lots of memories indeed. And you know, I don't know. Speaking of memories, Tash, why don't we keep the show going and maybe uh, maybe take an old look at new? We are ready to take kind of a, a fun, it's turned into a very fun segment, and that's the old look at new, where we take a little look at history. And Joe does a great job, and I'm probably jinxing it now. Uh, just looking at the world right here in northeast Wisconsin, where I tend to wander around the world, take a little walkabout. But Joe, what, what's your old look at new this week? Well, Tosh, I, I hope to continue what you just said about me. I, you know, I, for a while I spent a lot of time in this segment on, on the Fox River, and we're, we're going to go back to the Fox River. I think this is something that most people know if you're an Appletonian, but it's certainly worth repeating that. This was the first hydroelectric plant was right here in Appleton, Wisconsin. In 1882, yep. that, that first plant using water-powered, generated, you know, using the water, the Fox River, to, to generate electricity. That was built right here on the rapids of the, of the Fox River. In fact, that little building is right down by uh, on, on Law Street. And I actually toured that that building last summer. It's, it was a cool little 30-minute um, guy sits there and talks, tells you about how everything worked. It was actually kind of cool. And... That, that electricity back in 1882 uh, was not only used for the first com commercial electric lighting system. It, it lights the house that, that you see on Richmond Street or on uh, Memorial Drive and Prospect. Right. Yep. But that also operated a streetcar line, which, uh, man, I love that. I wish we still had streetcars, Tosh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, that's kidding. something to hang our hat on. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's fun because, you know, I think every elementary school kid in the city gets to go to the hearthstone and yeah check out the uh, building and and learn a little bit about that that side of uh, appleton as well no it's kind of cool i mean it's you know the fox river it's, it's one of the cool things i think about the fox river in, in our lifetime and I, I think about it every time i go to poplar hall it, it's that river is powerful it's got a lot of history you know it was, it was a mm -hmm. even before we we were the united states the fur trade you know that that was being used yeah. and it's uh that's pretty cool so we we should embrace what we have but uh how about you tash what's your what's your old look at new well i'm going to january 27th 1967 and uh this takes a little closer look at nasa and the apollo missions and that was the uh, date of the uh, the tragedy of the Apollo One fire, where uh, Virgil Grissom, um, Edward White, Roger, and Roger uh, Chaffee, um, they lost their lives in the flash fire aboard their uh, spacecraft while doing a, a ground testing. Um, and it was you know two years before we actually put men on the moon, so we we're doing all that testing. And um, yeah, that was the Apollo One fire. So great tragedy, but. Um, you know these men lost their lives, and uh, and it, it's pretty crazy when you when you look at the Apollo missions right. and these guys. I mean, putting men in space and trying to land on the moon and not really knowing. You know, we had 
computers guiding these spacecrafts that were less powerful than our phones in our pockets, which is absolutely incredible. Oh, that's that's just nuts. Yeah, I mean, I, that happened before we were born, but I certainly remember my dad telling yeah. about it. I, I know there's footage of it, and uh, for any of you Jim Rome fans out there, that Evil Knievel interview, you'll know exactly what uh, the Gus Grissom or references. Uh, I always think about that as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately in, in space. I mean, we, we've seen it with a space shuttle. It takes tragedy yeah. to, to move forward. You know, it's it's not easy working with rocket science, right, Tash? No, no, it's not. <laughs> Definitely not. So yeah, that's my look, you know, a little, uh, little look at tragedy. I, mean, I got off the sports contracts for, <laughs> yeah. for a couple, uh, <laughs> that was on for a couple weeks. Let's so. get right into tragedy. <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> so no it's a good yeah one. that was my old look at new no i love it tash it's a fun segment so i hope you enjoyed it folks hey newscast listeners welcome to another episode of our podcast and we are very excited to have uh the one and only dan sharon brock with us and dan uh for wrestlers and for a lot of you you may know dan from his coaching at appleton east or even his uh refing that he's done or possibly through his son zach who is also a wrestler at appleton east and in the area um his wealth of knowledge and we're gonna dive into uh, a little bit about his wrestling and his journey through the sport as well so welcome to NoosaCast, dan thank you glad to be here <laughs> well dan you know i i guess the big thing is uh just thinking back to your childhood what got you into wrestling well, um, probably got started because my older brother started wrestling when he was in high school. And so it kind of, wrestling is very family oriented. So once you get one trapped into it, it kind of brings the others along. <laughs> There's a lot of truth and, in that, isn't there? There's a lot of just famous families that, that have had, you know, a dozen kids. Uh, that, that same family just keeps wrestling. It's amazing. Yes, it is. It's, uh, I mean, we can go back and through families, you know, um, I know from my high school, the, the same thing, you know, there were the Gundersons, the Sharonbrocks, the, the uh, Ketterings, and then, uh, and it's the same in most of these schools. Uh, it's not like it used to be because the size of the families are a lot smaller, but uh, I know in my family, um, I've had my brothers both had kids that are we're wrestlers, and uh, one is now an official. He's out of Wrightstown. He's doing a very good job. I just worked with him this weekend at the Pulaski tournament. It was his first time there, nice. and he did a bang-up job. <laughs> um, I have a brother in uh, Sun Prairie, and two of his boys were they were both multiple-time state champs, and they uh, wrestled at Wisconsin. They're done now, but so that. Family tradition thing is really huge in the sport of wrestling. Oh, absolutely. And you guys, you grew up in Eau Claire. Is that, is that where you uh, did, did your high school wrestling? I was north of Eau Claire in a little high school called Flambeau High School, just east of Ladysmith, Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you wrestled, I mean, wrestling at high school in a, a smaller school like that, um, was, were there a lot, did you have a lot of wrestlers with you? Was it a pretty big sport at the time? Well, when I first started, it was uh, it was a very uh, it was pretty big. We had very full teams. I mean, yeah. we were carrying probably thirty kids on our team. Wow. Um, 
I remember my freshman year, I think we had 11 seniors on varsity and two freshmen. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, those small schools are struggling to keep full teams now. That's obvious. But I think a lot of it goes back to the families and not having three brothers on the team with you. Um, There were four boys in my family, so uh, it it was just a natural thing to follow one after another. (laughs) What I've often wondered about wrestling, why is it certain schools like Kakana, Wrightstown, um, Freedom, they always just seem to have that traditional, you know that they're a wrestling school. What what, what makes that? Mm -hmm. And and not every school has that. No, not at all. Um, Your coaching staff is huge. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Machek has been there at Kikana for years and years. Uh, the Verbatens at Wrightstown, uh, Mike Beekler and uh, Brad Baker out at Freedom. They've all uh, been involved in those programs for years now. Sure. I think that's probably the biggest key. And then you have the families uh, that just keep <laughs> generating more and more wrestlers. Uh, yeah, there's... You know, the verbatims out at Wrightstown, they have kids and cousins that are wrestling right now and nephews. And uh, so, yeah, that it just carries on through. Would you say, is the sport growing or did it have a heyday? Is it trying to catch up again? What what is the status of wrestling? Well, right now we've introduced girls wrestling to the state of Wisconsin. um, And that is growing leaps and bounds. Nice. Um, I think you're going to see more and more. It's a great thing for the sport. It's great for the the girls. They're now at our state, at the boys state tournament along with us. Um, so yeah, it's a very exciting time. Um, the, the girls part out of it, the boys, um, I think because the family size has decreased that a lot of programs have struggled because of that. Um, you are seeing a lot of new people come in, but again, it's like all sports. There's been a specialization in it. And a lot of these kids are wrestling clubs besides their high school teams. Sure. It's amazing how, isn't it now how how sports are? It's nothing like it was when we grew up at every one of these sports you can play year round and they all seem to have clubs attached to the sport. Right. Uh, I remember the days, you know, of high school where you did three sports. um, Right. Those days aren't, uh, that's not the norm anymore where kids are doing two or three, I don't think. Right. So, you know, whether it's good or it's bad, I got feelings both ways. Um, it is what it is. You know, I, I feel the same way. And, and, and one of the interesting things that Tash and I have discovered in doing this podcast, we, we ask that question to a lot of the, the athletes that we've had as, as guests and as, as interviews. And every single one of them have answered the question is they did play multiple sports, you know, the three sports. And him and I have commented that it, it's that's refreshing to hear that, you know, the Maddie Wanamaker played three sports, that that kind of thing. That, that was really cool to hear. Yes, that it is. Um yeah, I've listened. I listened to Maddie's uh, podcast, and having having worked with her dad, it was really it was really cool to hear that. And I've listened to the, I think it was it Roger Hornberger, Horn, sure Roger Hornberger on uh, lacrosse. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I heard some of those same ideas come across. You know, the multiple sports, which I think is huge. You think about the the training now. Um, 
and the repetition of using those same motions over and over, I think we're starting to see kids, kids, you know, younger adults now with the problems I didn't have until I was 40, yeah. 50, when my shoulders started going and my uh, hips started going right. and knees and all that. Now it's just, it's happening early. Earlier, I had uh, one of my nephews that was at Wisconsin. He had um, hip surgery his first year. Wow. You know, so it was, but, you know, he was, he's been wrestling since he was, you know, able to stand up right. and training, you know, nonstop in the, the club. So, yeah, I think from that point of view, the, the specialization has put our bodies <laughs> on notice, tell you, you know, sort of, um, it's just... Yeah, that wear and tear, and I'm sure so much pounding. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's got to be happening in baseball and softball too. The their shoulders, right, and their elbows and things. So yeah, you hear these kids getting Tommy John surgery at you know 16 years old. I mean, are you kidding? Yeah, and that was unheard of right. uh, 30 years ago. Right. Yeah, I have to think about how old I am. <laughs> what other sports did you play uh, growing up? Well, I. I played um, baseball and football, and then in uh, junior year in high school, they talked me into going out for track instead of baseball while I was playing baseball again um, my senior year. So, <laughs> uh, not that track is bad. I, my the nephew that I mentioned, who's an official out of Wrightstown, he was a fantastic cross country runner and distance runner. So I'm yeah. multi qualified for state multiple times and uh you know so yeah it just wasn't my thing so what was besides having older brothers what was something that drew you into wrestling what did you you know flat out love about it i love the contact of it um it's one-on-one -on -one. you screw up everybody knows you screw up you got to find your way out of it <laughs> um so that part of it was very uh, intriguing for me. It, it uh, forced me to um, become much more determined. Um, Self-control was a huge thing, I think, that helped develop. So I guess that was probably my biggest factor was it was individual, but yet there's a team component to it as well. Is there, I, I have always, both my boys played, um, you know, the respective sports and you know, I, they were never going to be professional. They weren't even going to play the sport in college, but I always wanted them to take something out of sports. And, and we all know the value of what we get out of, out of the sports, the, you know, have overcoming failure and things like that, that you just learn by playing sports. Do you, can you look back on, on life and, and re, are you always taking your lessons that you learn playing sports and, and just applying it every day in life? I, I, all the time. When it gets tough, you just bear down and you go through things. Uh, I even think about that, you know, with my teaching. I taught chemistry for a lot of years, and <laughs> it wasn't the easiest class by any extreme. But, uh, you know, if I could get the, the students to work and, and stay after it, and that was the hardest thing is they would try and then they would give up. And if you can just continue to struggle through it, all of a sudden that light bulb goes on. And I, I attribute that to my, to wrestling in particular, because, you know, 
it's a hard sport. It's physical. And I always said, and I, Eric probably has heard me say this before, even, even when you win, you get beat right. up. Um, it, it hurts the day after. Um, <laughs> I, I can just imagine what those kids that wrestled five matches at Pulaski yesterday, because that is a, a tremendous tournament, probably, you know, next to the Cheesehead, it's probably the the best tournament in the state of Wisconsin, kid for kid. And uh, wow, what those kids can go through and those athletes go through is just amazing. It's so true because you, you can get through that a really tough time. And, you know, we know life's tough. It's hard to get through life, but you, you get through those toughest times and, and you can conquer anything. Absolutely. Yes. You know, you mentioned uh, um, that we had Keegan Jennerich on last week and, and uh, we asked him about his experience at, at state and just wrestling in the Cole center, 15,000 people. I mean, it's gotta be the most amazing thing. And I mean, you've, you've done it as a, as a wrestler, as, as a, um, as an official as, as well. I mean, can you speak to that experience? What's that like being under those lights in, in that, in that building? <laughs> well, I I've experienced it as a coach and as an official, I never made it to the state tournament <laughs> in high school. Um, it is, you know, an amazing thing. I remember the first uh, wrestler I took to a state tournament was Kevin Schmitz from Chilton, Wisconsin. Um, and he had never been there. He was a senior. Um, and I got him down there earlier and I just made him walk. And this was back in the old barn. Sure. Actually. Oh, what a great building. And I made him. Oh, it was wonderful and uh, made him walk around in there and, you know, to, to see the crowd because the first time you're out on that mat and that crowd is screaming and there's all these people, that's an yeah. intimidating place. <laughs> and uh, he had a fantastic tournament, ended up uh, meeting the kid who had beat him at the uh, sectional tournament uh, from Wyoiga for a month. Um, I think his name was Chris Aiki, and uh, Chris had beaten Kevin up pretty good in the sectional finals, and in the finals of the state tournament, we turned that around, um, and Kevin beat Chris, and uh, I, it was the most amazing thing to me was sitting there as a coach and just that, I mean, it was so loud. Our match went to overtime, so... You know, Division Three and Division One were done, and everybody was focused on that middle mat, Division Two, and we still had three minutes to go, and it was it was loud. That's all I remember how loud it was, and uh, it came down to a tie, and it came down to criteria, and we had the criteria to win the match. So I mean, you couldn't have gotten any sure. closer. <laughs> you know, as, as as fellow officials, um, you can't describe the rush of working those big games, working those big matches. And oh. it's, it's so hard to convey that to, to people to, you know, it's, it's a real thing that you can feel. And I, I wish more people kind of understood that maybe we'd have more officials in all these sports if they kind of understood that. But I mean, you're literally, you're walking into the coal center, or the old barn, or, you know, oh. I, I was fortunate to walk on a camp Randall, you know I mean? That's, those are experiences that are just, okay. I'll never forget those. And I, you know, I don't know if, anybody's ever considering officiating remember those those are attainable goals yes you know it's, it's kind of our our pinnacle to make the state tournament as right. an official and uh yeah what you say I, 
I don't know if you've ever been to the state wrestling tournament, but they they march the kids in, the, the finalists in. Um, oh, what's the song? We Are the Champions. Yes. Queen, right? Um, and, I mean, the whole place is dark. And as an official, you get introduced, and you're on the mat. You're walked out onto the mat, and you're under the lights, and it's just dark. It is the coolest um, experience. And every time I get down there, uh, it, I think this will be my seventh time down this oh, that's year. That's awesome. It's just, just amazing. And then I've been fortunate enough to do the state team tournament, which is held in the uh, the old barn now. Um, and that place, I did the state championship division two two years ago, uh, Luxembourg, Casco, and Amory, and you couldn't hear yourself thinking <laughs> that. It was so loud. It, but, you know, you work, we work hard at officiating. Yeah. Joe, I'm sure you did too. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just uh, show up and uh, put on the stripes of the, for the night of the match and go do it. There's a lot of work. No, ahead absolutely. Of you're, you're 100% yeah. correct. And, and the one, the officials that take it serious and that that's 99% of them. I mean, they, they want to get better. They want to watch film. They want to work matches they they want to learn from their mistakes they know they make mistakes we know we make mistakes it, it happens but we we yeah. that's how we get better and, and and that's why i'm always fascinated asking you know just how do you overcome failure because as an official that's it's actually one of the things that drew me to that was i want to get better at overcoming failure and if if you want to be a failure just officiate a sport and, and you'll, you'll fail quickly <laughs> <laughs> People will let you know. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, it is, it's an amazing feeling to be out there doing the finals of a tournament. And um, and today, the way the wrestlers, the wrestlers are so, so much better yeah, I bet. today than they were when I was uh, wrestling. And even when I was coaching, I, the last 10 years, the ability of these kids to scramble out of positions that, you know, they shouldn't be able right. to do that. And you <laughs> as an official, you're sitting there and you're just holding your call and you got both sides screaming at you. It, it really is a fun experience. Um, I sure could know how it, how it could be intimidating sure. to you as well. I, if you're not ready yet uh, like i said i said my nephew nathan who's the ref from wrightstown it was his first time doing the Pulaski tournament uh he's he's coming up he's moving very quickly he'll be at the state tournament i would say within three That's to four great. years okay. um but this was this was his first major tournament that he ever officiated and my gosh, he was cool as a cucumber out there. It was just, uh, I was so darn proud of He's him. He's a natural. He's a na Some guys are just naturals at, at it. That's great to hear. Yeah. Dan, when you, you talked about the ability of the wrestlers are different today. So what, what do you attribute to that? And maybe even think a little bit about what's, what was the difference between you in high school and even looking at Zach, your son, um, and your training, yeah. how, how is how have things changed from that aspect? Well, the media and the social media and all those yeah. those platforms really have changed it because 
you can go out there and you can watch almost anything. Yeah. Um, I was watching the Big Ten wrestling today, and I, I tend to flip that on whenever I can, whenever it's wrestling on, and you get to watch what these kids are doing. And now, um, I think from when I was in high school, I was fortunate to have a college wrestler as a coach, but I don't think many schools back then did have that. Okay. Um, now I think that's kind of common to have collegiate wrestlers now coaching the high school level. And they've brought a lot of that new technique in. And, um, and of course, the clubs, too. Yeah. There's a lot of good technique coming out of there. And we just put kids in those situations in the practice room and say, hey, figure it out. Get out of there. <laughs> And um, so those, I always call them situation goes, um, just put them in weird positions and, you know, let them go, let them experience it and try to figure it out. And I think that it really has moved the sport forward. Um, and it, it, it's cool to watch the girls coming in now. A lot of those have that same, those same attributes and they're really um, much better than we were. Are the rules the same in the girls' game as the boys' games? Or are, there, are there any rule differences? At the high school level, they're exactly yeah. the same. Okay. At the collegiate level, it's okay. a little different, yes. They wrestle at the collegiate level, they wrestle more of an international style, more of a freestyle okay. okay. versus what we do as folk style. Okay, oh, very good, very good. We've talked a ton of wrestling, but I, I know you've done certainly some other coaching. You've been involved with, with some other groups. I mean, you've worked with Little League Baseball. We had Kevin Kostelecki with Appleton Little League on earlier. You know, the Pop Warner guys we've had. I mean, those those guys are as old school. They've, they're they're older than us, I think, even. Yeah. Uh, so you, you've oh, yeah. been at both of those organizations. I mean, you're just you're literally one of those guys that a community just can't do without where you're just you're just helping kids, really. Just that's getting them in experiences. So it's some great organizations that you worked with. I'm sure you've had great experiences at both. Yes. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, kind of came up with my son through those ranks. Uh, he did little league. And so I kind of got talked into it and I had the perfect job. I had the summers off sure. to do this, um, as a teacher. So I, I had the time and it takes a lot of time to work with those guys. I mean, not, not a lot of time, but you know, you practice a couple times a week and whatever. And and then I did Pop Warner football and I did youth wrestling with him. And all of a sudden, uh, so I went through all those organizations and, and they all help develop these kids and give them the experience. And now there's so many more. I know Eric's kids are involved in hockey and uh, right. lacrosse. And I always thought, those would have been great opportunities. I mean, play a sport with uh -huh. a stick and you get to hit people. <laughs> exactly. I mean, hey, that's good Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Um, I never, never had those opportunities, never had that uh, exposure to those sports when I was a young man or young adolescent. And uh, I just, the opportunities these kids have, not only for sports, but for all the other things that are out there, It's it's just it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. 
And yeah, you really can. It, it is amazing in the theater world, in the music world. I mean, you you pick a yep. you pick anything, and, and there's there's opportunities. So yeah, absolutely. That that is absolutely really cool to see. And I know both of you guys being teachers, at, you know, at Appleton East. There's so many opportunities at Appleton East for the kids, like the outdoor club. It was was yep. it's amazing. Yeah, could you imagine if we would have been able to go hunting and fishing oh my when gosh. I was in high school? I probably wouldn't have been right. Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go, thinking back, you know, talking about high school for you, um, after high school, you uh, decide that you want to keep wrestling a little bit. So what was uh, what was that process like, um, you know, picking a school and deciding you're going to wrestle? I was, uh, I, I actually had more people interested in me in playing football than wrestling. Okay. Um, so I did, I went and visited a few schools and talked to people about their football programs and so forth. And uh, the only school that really contacted me about wrestling was UW-Eau Claire, and, um, which was pretty close to my home. It was an hour away, which was far enough for, away from the parents <laughs> so I could uh, do my own thing, but yet it was close enough to go home. Um, so I don't know. I just felt like I never – got where I wanted in wrestling as a high schooler. Okay. And so that was kind of my driving factor in going out for wrestling at Eau Claire. Um, I spent four years there on the varsity squad, had some success. Um, <laughs> I would say I wasn't a great college wrestler. I was average, I suppose. Um, but I learned so much. And the, my college coach was Don Parker. And I got away, you know, I'm like a lot of other kids. You get away from home. Um, and I played a little bit harder than I should have. <laughs> and uh, got in a little bit of academic hot water. And he's the one that kind of grabbed me and said, hey, get your act together. And uh, I have a lot of respect for that man for that and uh, what, he, what he did for me. So... Uh, I guess that was my motivating factor in wrestling was I just wanted to accomplish more. And, um, and then it was Mr. Parker, Don Parker, that got me involved in the coaching at the college level. And he also got me involved in refing. I started refing, I think, when I was a sophomore in college yeah. um, for some of the local, school, uh, local schools. They were just trying to find officials for JV matches and so forth. So... I did that, and uh, yeah. Is that how you became an official? Just uh, starting that way in, in college. Yes, and then I. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So I, I mean, he, my coach was a college or was a high school official too. So he took me along to one of the meetings. Uh, this is going back. You'll remember <laughs> this, Joe, where we'd have to meet for the uh, to talk about the rule changes and all that. Sure. Uh, now we just do it online. Uh, so yeah. I remember going to the first <laughs> meeting with a uh, coach and, uh, and then I, I started officiating. He also got me officiating college wrestling for a while in there. And finally, uh, he's the one that talked me into becoming a teacher. So <laughs> he really, quite yeah, a guy. he led me sometimes, uh, probably put like a bowl ring in my nose and pulled me <laughs> along, but I got there sooner or later, but, 
Yeah. Isn't it amazing? You, you, you meet people like that in your life, uh, just special people, mentors that, yes. that just, I don't know, help you, help you along. It's pretty amazing. And I, I find that wrestling is full of people like that. Uh, I'm sure every sport is, but, uh, you know, experiencing it from my point of view, uh, Mike Blazik was the official, was the head of the Fox Valley um, Wrestling o Officials Association here in Appleton. And when I stopped coaching high school back in, I don't know, 2005, 2006 or something like that, um, I had no interest in be going on and becoming an official. Um, at least to the degree I am today. Uh, but Mike Blazik was the one that pulled me in and he just kind of paved my way, you know? Um, I mean, there were some great officials in that association, Brad Siebers from uh, Kimberly, Larry Gorris from the Nash and, and of course Mike Blazik. So um, again, you talk about the mentors. Um, yeah. And I hope I've done that. For some people, too. I know I brought my nephew, Nathan, along and my son, Zach, who's officiating over on the west side of the state. I've had uh, a number of high school kids that I've got into the officiating. The only trouble is they, um, they graduate from high school and they go to college and they move away and you don't have them anymore. All <laughs> <laughs> right. That's very, very true. How about uh, how about one of our friends? Are you able to help Travis Korth? Or oh, is yeah. he a lost I cause? Travis, and Travis is doing a great job now. Um, yeah, I remember he was in high school. I I remember getting him a lot of stuff in the uh, a lot of matches in the middle school, the Appleton Middle School uh, program. Sure. Um, I also assigned so signed for a couple different conferences, uh, wrestling officials. And so I've been in the middle school thing. Um, so I've been able to take high school officials and put them in there. And a lot of times I could, either myself or another one of our officials, Pat DeBruin, uh, Mike uh, Schumacher, Travis now, um, they'll work with them. In fact, I think um, this next Sunday, Kimberly has their um, youth tournament, and there's two or three of us veteran officials that'll be there working with a bunch of high school kids. Wow, sure, that's that's wonderful to hear. It, you, you touched on on something, you know. I, obviously, I, I harp on the lack of officials, but I tell you what, that assigner role is one of the most difficult, especially in this day and age with with you know very few officials. <laughs> that assigner role is just I've, I've done it for lacrosse and some youth football, and I tell you what, that's. It's the very reason why I have gray hair is that assignment role. <laughs> I always told that those are the kids I coached. That's why I got gray hair. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then to do it during uh, COVID and, oh, man, yeah. there was some. Oh. Yeah, we've, we've really had to scramble in the last few years. And, and with our numbers being down and continuing to go down, it, it, you know, <sighs> We got to be inventive in how we're covering all these, you know, events. I mean, I, it's unfortunate, but in 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 some sports, lacrosse, um, some games yeah. have been you know canceled. There's just not enough officials, not enough people, and it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's a tough thing to do, and you certainly have to be outside your comfort zone yes. to do it. But it's well worth it. Otherwise, you know, at the end of the day, the kids don't play, and right. that, that's 
we don't want that. Yeah, and I, I just wish we could convince more people to try it. Uh, I I know there's some people that aren't going to thrive at it. Uh, <laughs> you almost got to like confrontation, right. I guess. Um, at least yeah. somewhat. Yep. Uh, but I really, as an as an veteran official, um, I try to run interference for those young kids. Uh, Absolutely. So when I'm there on next Sunday. Um, if somebody needs to talk to an official, they're going to talk to me. They're not going to talk to the kid that made the call just because we right. don't need to chase them off that quickly. Right. You know, let Absolutely. them figure out what this is about and they'll learn how to deal with people and how to handle people. And, and uh, yeah, it's a learning experience. And absolutely. You're always learning. It takes years. And and you never learn it all. No, have That's yet to true. work the perfect game. Trying to, but it just haven't done it yet. No, I agree with you. There's always you always think maybe I should have called Stalin in that match. There's <laughs> always something. Yeah, when you're talking refereeing here, um, talk a little bit about what your night looks like because I think people think you just you know walk onto the mat and let's start let's start refing. So if, if you want to take us on a typical night or a typical tournament or whatever you, you know, feel comfortable okay. with. Well, um, if I do a typical duel, um, usually it starts at about five o'clock or five 30, depending on the conference. Um, we have to be there to do the weigh in. So we weigh all the individuals in both boys and girls. And now that has changed tremendously from what it used to be. Now, they're weighing in um, in uniform, which I think is a great thing. Uh, we weigh in shoulder to shoulder, so both teams are there. If there's girls wrestling on the team, they're weighing right in with okay. the guys. Um, and that usually takes, you know, 20 minutes to a half hour. Uh, once you're done with that, then you move out in. Well, we have to do a, with our varsities, we always do a pre-meet talk with them. Uh, we go through rule changes, our expectations, um, answer any questions they have, um, kind of take them through the, the logistics of how the match is going to go and the things we do that are different. Um, I think one thing we do is we talk to the kids a lot more on the mat than they ever used to. Uh, we will use different phrases for out on the edge. We'll be saying center in, uh, wrestle in. Uh, we're always, in a way, giving them hints of what we're looking for, okay. what we want them to do. Um, if we're thinking somebody is not working as hard as they can be, we'll say, let's wrestle, initiate, follow through, things like that. Um, and so I, ta I talk about that in the pre-meet, so there really shouldn't be any surprises okay. for the kids when they're out there. Um, once I have that done, and then I go out to the gym and I uh, make sure the facilities are set up right, that I got enough distance between the team benches and the mat and enough uh, um, uh, safety mats uh, you know, around the mat, which now is not such a big deal because our mats are a lot bigger. Okay. Um, so they have safety um, areas attached to them, where before that wasn't the case. Um, meet with the timer and the score, uh, talk to the trainer. And finally about, 
know, about an hour after you're done with the weigh-in and all that stuff, then you start refing. And it depends. It might be that you have to do the JV matches. Sometimes there's another official that'll do that as well. Um, in the FVA, a lot of times we'll be running two mats for JVs because the J there's just that many JV wrestlers okay. or girl or girl wrestlers because they combine the girls in there as well. Um, and then you start your varsity. If I had a five thirty weigh-in, I'd probably start my varsity at about seven o'clock. Okay. And a good varsity duel will take you about an hour and a half. Wow. Very nice. I, last week, I, as I mentioned, we had Keegan yep. on, and he talked a lot about just that weigh-in process or how how he deals with with weight adding, and and it, a lot of it comes down to the to the water yes. weight. But what um, guys, what are your thoughts on that? What do what do you see? I mean, are those I remember when you know thirty or fifty, well, however long ago we were in high school, the the wrestlers were in their their sweatsuits jumping rope. I mean, is it is it still kind of like that, or what? Are... Um, it is it is way better than it used to be. Um, when I was in high school, I dropped eighteen pounds in three days. Wow. <laughs> That's unheard of now. Um, they. We have to, or the kids have to pass a uh, hydration test, and then they skin fold them to determine what their lowest weights are. And so that's all okay. established ahead of time. Um, so I think it's way better than it used to be. The drastic uh, drops of of weight aren't as much. I mean, you might have to take off a pound, you know, before. Sure. on the day of a, a match or something. But I don't, I don't see the problems like we used to have. And you don't see the kids that look like, and we used to always laugh, Skeletor, you know, just eyes sunk sure. in. And, but it was it was <laughs> excessive back in my day. And even in college, it was, it was still pretty crazy. Um, it's much better than it used to be. And all the colleges what, are following that, following the state of Wisconsin. The state of Wisconsin started at that hydration, and now I think it's in all 50 states, okay. and most of the colleges are using it too. What was your, you get a teaching license, you're coaching in college. Um, so what was the, your first coaching job in high school? Okay, my, well, I went, I taught at Little Surrey, yep. Wisconsin. <laughs> Up north of Green Bay, um, I taught uh, or I coached football and uh, track there. Also helped out with their weight room. And I did travel down the road uh, to work with the Gillet. Sure. Uh, and um, one of my teammates in college was from Gillet, and he put his coach on me once he found out I was up there. And the <laughs> next thing I know... He was calling me and saying, hey, I got a heavyweight here that, that I need someone to work out with. So I'd go down and work out with okay. him. And uh, he, that uh, heavyweight, uh, his last name is escaping me right now, but he is a coach at uh, Bayport. Oh, okay. Not the head coach, but an assistant, Mark Mark Hansen. Yeah, Mark Hansen. <laughs> he's, so he's a coach at Bayport. and. Um, yeah, I worked with him a little bit at his senior year, and he had a successful year. So um, I left Surin after one year. It was a great place to start, but they didn't have wrestling. Um, so I went to Chilton High School, and uh, I started. Uh, I was there at Chilton for I think five years as the coach, 
and had two state champs. Uh, fantastic individuals. I mentioned Kevin Schmitz yep. before, and the other one was Jeremy Ott, who now is a coach at uh, Nicolet. And his son is ranked number two, I think, at 175 wow. this year. So, um, yeah, once once you get sucked into that wrestling, you kind of stay in. <laughs> What's it like being a high school teacher? What what, what was your career like? I mean, I you, you seem like the best teacher ever. I, I would have loved to have you as my teacher. <laughs> Depends on which kid you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Um, it is really an amazing thing. Um, and I talked about seeing the, you know, finally seeing the light bulb, you know, where all of a sudden it, they, it, they just light up when they figure out, they finally get what you're trying to teach them. And uh, that those moments are awesome. And uh, it's cool when you hear from students that you haven't heard from for years. And all of a sudden, you know, they come back and they send you an email or something and that, you know, and tell you how successful they've become. And, uh, and then, you know, a lot of times they'll give you some of that credit and it's just like, wow, you don't hear it too much when you're the teacher. Right. When you're teaching, it's, it's usually the kid, the students afterwards that come and talk to you and say, hey, you know, you really made a difference. And Has I, that been one of the hardest or maybe the the may I guess one of the hardest parts of being a teacher for you guys is just the the communication with the kids. I mean that that has to be ever evolving. I would I would think for you guys that has to be one of the biggest challenges is is just how do you communicate with kids and get your message across and and have them receive it. Well, and yeah, it, it used to be so much. I don't know. I think it was easier. Yeah, back when I first started, um, because. They didn't have the distractions. I think that's the biggest factor is they have so many distractions now with their, with the technology that um, I think it's hard for them to just concentrate on one thing. The phone is the greatest invention ever and the worst invention ever all at the same time, isn't it? Yes. I mean, Eric, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, today you almost have to be an entertainer where in the <laughs> past good, you did not. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah. It, it always helped to be a good entertainer. <laughs> yes. Even as a coach, you know, in, when I used even, you know, this was back in the early, in the two thousands, the early two thousands coaching was, you know, we didn't have the technology that we do today. So even being a coach, you didn't have to be so much an entertainer. You could focus on different things. I mean, it was coming to that point where we could videotape a swing and things like that, but um, not like it is today. Yeah. I, I remember watching video of the wrestlers and stuff back when I was coaching and yeah, we did that you know, film work, like I'm sure they do. You always hear the NFL coaches talk about watching film. You know, we did it too, but now I think it's to such a point you can break stuff down to the, you know, movement by movement. And, uh, you know, that's it's true. And I think in teaching, in some ways, don't get me wrong, technology has made teaching easier too, don't you think? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But there are, it also has made it harder. So, <laughs> well, I, I always think 
and I, I know this with Dan, um, a good coach is all is a teacher because you're teaching and a oh. good teacher is also a coach. I mean, the, the two, per, the two things go hand in hand and Dan, Dan was excellent at both. Well, so I, I know that firsthand. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was actually just at East last Thursday. I filled in for, uh, they didn't have a JV official. So I came right. and I was able to talk to, uh, uh, what's, what's Jackie's last name? Schmedberg. Schmedberg. Yes. Thank you. And I was talking to her and I, I said, we were talking about sports in general and getting programs going. And, and I said, well, I think the thing that really hurt a lot of programs were when teachers stopped coaching. Cause a lot of times, at least when I was interviewing, you were hired um, not only to be a teacher, you were hired to be a coach. And somewhere we lost that. Yeah. And that's we have, really interesting. That, and, that, that's very true. You see that in the official side too, right? Back in the day, yep. all, all the coaches were teachers and a lot of the officials were teachers. Yes. And then, um, so I was talking to Jackie Smedberg, the principal at East, and I, and I was asking her about that. And she said, there seems to be a little trend. I said, you know, that we have so many coaches that are non-teachers in the schools now. And she thinks it's starting to turn back the other way a little bit. At least that's what she told me. So yeah. I, I'm hoping it does because, you know, as a teacher, you have um, the, their best interest as a student. You're not just worried about how they do on the, let's say, on the football field or the wrestling mat, but you're also worried about them and how they do in the classroom. And I think yeah. that's, a, that's a good mix. So, Dan, I want to go back to you coaching at Chilton. And um, there's a story, and somebody told me I needed to, uh, to ask you to, to talk about the story of how you kind of intimidated your chemistry class one morning um, after maybe a little uh, preschool workout. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Was this the time the cable broke? <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I was doing pull downs on the uh, universal weight machine, and I uh, the cable broke as I was coming down, and I rammed the top of the bar into the top of my head and split my head open. Oh. Um, of course, I couldn't see how bad it was because it was on the top of my head, so I just, you know, I got the blood stopped and uh, um, <laughs> went and took a shower and got ready for school, and the next thing I know, I'm in the doctor's office, and apparently I had uh, I had first hour off. Um, that was my prep period, and all of a sudden I started wandering around the school, just walking in into rooms and <laughs> and walking around and going out. And uh, the principal took or the assistant principal took me to the to the doctor to the <laughs> clinic, and I had a concussion. So um, just yeah. Yeah, I remember there were some stupid things like that back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so a different question for you. So Absolutely. you've been at state as a coach. You've been at state as a ref, and you've been at state as a parent. Yes. And you've been at state, you know, for nephews and things like that as well. What's Which one is the most nerve-wracking for you? And talk a little bit about it, yeah. You know what? 
every one of them is nerve wracking. Uh, <laughs> as a coach, oh man, you're sitting there and you can't do anything. Um, and you got to rely on what you've taught this or what this athlete has learned. And uh, yeah. And then as a parent, it's just helpless as a parent. You're just <laughs> sitting in the seat and you can't do anything. Uh, uh, and as a referee, oh, yeah, as a referee, it's the coolest thing in the world. You got the, you're at the pinnacle. So, yeah, every one of them is, is a great experience, but um, they all have their own uh, tensions and nervousness that go with them. Um, I, I actually, when my son made the state tournament as a sophomore, I was, uh, that might have been, yeah, that was the year after I had my hip surgery. So that was my second year down at state and he qualified for the state tournament. And so I would be able to, the other officials would um, move around so that I could watch my son ref, wrestle. So that was really pretty cool. Um, and we've done that with other father-son uh, wrestler officials too. And uh, my son was a sophomore, and Zach, uh, he ended up drawing the number one kid in the state the first round, that beat. Yep. And then he got, I think, the kid who took third or fourth, and no, it was sixth in the next round, and, and got beat. And I can just remember refing when he was still in the tournament, and I was like, I was just so tight. I just, uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, when he, he lost his second match at the state tournament. It was like this big, huge rock got lifted off of my shoulders, and, and I got to enjoy the rest of the state tournament. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. And, of course, one of, one of your biggest accomplishments, I would say, right, was in 2015 at the Red Smith Banquet when you were honored with the, uh, with the Apple <laughs> yeah. East Patriot Award, right? I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that, does it? No, that was really cool. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I had I had worked with all the you know youth programs for all those years, and then I was the I think I was the athletic club's president at that point, or maybe I was the vice president. I don't remember. And uh, the uh, the athletic club nominated me for that award, and I was fortunate enough to get it. So that was a really a, a pretty neat experience. Yes. Well, you, you you answered that one well. I appreciate it. No, I mean, it's always it was always one of my favorite parts of the banquet. I mean, it's it's kind of what we do with this podcast too. It's just it's, uh, it's literally highlighting. You know, your story is absolutely amazing. I mean, your life is amazing. Um, just the people that you've helped, the time that you've given, and, and you know, that's that's why we did that at the, at the banquet as well, and that's why we do yeah. this podcast. It's just to highlight. I mean, people need to hear these stories. It's incredible. It's a way. It's heck of a way to live a life. You know, I. I... It, it is wonderful getting those accolades and uh, but just living it and and working with all these kids that I've worked with over the years and you know I'm I'm, I'm as you probably know now after this last uh, this little interview I'm not very good with technology um, <laughs> my wife won't let me have Facebook or anything like that but um, it, which I should thank her because, man, I couldn't have done this without support, you know, her support and allowed me to do this for years and years. 
Um, in fact, she's about two years from retirement. And uh, I said when she's retired that I am going to step down from the refing and uh, we're going to spend time together so uh, and travel. Oh, and, boy. And so that's <laughs> kind of the payoff there. Um, where are you guys going? Where, where, where's the first trip? Uh, we were just talking about that not too long ago. Where do we want to go? And uh, we were talking about going out to the northeast uh, into Maine and uh, Arcadia National Park and and maybe, you know, seeing the fall colors and so forth. So, yeah. <laughs> well um, deserved, I would say. Yeah. It'll be cool. It'll be cool. And, and she's been in education for all these years. And yeah. Uh, hasn't been able to do any of those things during the fall and the, the winter. It will probably, probably go somewhere when it's warm, you know, in, in January and February. So, yeah, those are things we're looking forward to. That wouldn't be a bad thing, right? Maybe miss a winter or two up here. Yeah. I could stand that. <laughs> but I, I just want to say, I mean, just working and all the interactions I've had with students and and uh, athletes over the years. I mean, I was the lucky guy. I really was. Um, it, it's been great. So Dan, um, before we end here, where can people catch you now? So you have, uh, you said you're going back to state this year. Do you have a regional and sectional as well? Yes, I have. Uh, I have a regional at um, Beaver Dam. Okay. And that, that will be like the Oshkosh schools. I think maybe Nina might be there and going south. And then I have my sectional at O'Connell Falls. Um, that is uh, probably the toughest division two sectional in the state and it's been that way for the last 10 years and <laughs> for some reason the WIA keeps assigning me to that uh, that <laughs> sectional I be- think I've been there five out of the last six years so, um, so they know you <laughs> yeah and it, it, it is amazing the number of uh, you know one and two ranked kids that'll hit in that tournament and then, uh, yeah, it, it, it is unbelievable, you know, because that's Luxembourg, Casco, and Freedom, yep. and Wrightstown, and Denmark, and Two Rivers, and wow. just some fantastic wrestling schools in Division II. Um, and then I have team section, or yeah, team sectional will be at Wrightstown, or not at Wrightstown, at Slinger. Um, so that's a Division One. So I have the, the last duel to go to Team State for that one. Okay, it'll be a busy month of uh, February, and <laughs> I always, I always told everybody, you know, if you're involved in wrestling, the winter goes pretty fast in Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, good luck on that run. That that's, uh, ah, heck, that that's like you said, that's the pinnacle, right? That this is the exciting yes. time. Why we do what we do. Yep, that's what we're working for. So, and I hope you know not only enjoy it, but to. Uh, you know, bring some kids along over the year, you know, that are refs now that I've been working with and they're coming up and I'll get to see them do this tournament sooner or later. I hope my, well, my nephew will be there uh, at some point and my son, I'm sure will get there. 
So yeah, I look forward to sitting in the stands and watching them. On and that. that is going to be great. Well, Dan, thank you very much. We really appreciate you being on us. And, you know, as your former colleague, it's a true pleasure to sit down and talk with you. I was super happy that you agreed to do this. And it's a blast. I'm, I'm glad we got to tell your story. Well, thank you. It, it was uh, it was a pleasure being here. I was a little apprehensive at first, <laughs> um, but yeah, I enjoyed myself. So thank you we're, very much. We're pretty much. harmless. <laughs> and Joe, it was nice meeting you. And thanks Likewise. for what you guys are doing. I I've been listening to your newscast, and I've kind of dabbled into some history stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying myself. So I just put on a podcast and. Putts in the grass, John. It's an amazing world. Absolutely, I love the podcast world. It's, it, anything you want to learn, it, it's out there. Right. Every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the Newsicast with friends, or follow us on Facebook, X, TikTok, or Instagram. One of the best ways to help the show is to post a comment or leave a five-star review wherever you are listening. Tosh, it's that time again, once again, for the Red Smith Banquet Throwback. Back to 2019, where we had legendary University of Wisconsin marching band director Michael LaCrone. Yeah, a person who made a huge difference in a lot of people, a lot of young per- young people's life. Um, he was the band director from 1975 all the way to 2019, and he put the Badger Band on the map. Right. Oh, he hundred percent. Fifth quarter. Yeah. Gosh. That that was all I mean, under him. He he started. I mean, everything that you know about the Badger Band and and you know they, they come to Lambo. Obviously, every Badger game, every sport right. in a Badger game, they're just we all know they're absolutely incredible. Really, yeah. hey. how exciting! How exciting was it when they showed up when we're in a parade as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? That always made a huge, oh. huge difference in the parade. You're were, you were super excited to see the Badger Band come. Just crisp and loud and just so, so talented. And yeah, they're, they're legendary. And he, he's a character. I mean, he he's... I tower over him, and, and that's uh, that, that's saying something. So, <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's just a little guy with an absolutely i mean that in the best way with an absolutely huge huge personality and talent and just an incredible boy i you know when people that have been to a he he retired we had him in 2019 and that was the year that he retired but i can still picture him up on those steps you know just directing the band and he was just he was a showman he was true showman in, in every sense of the word yeah absolutely it was fun Fun to have him. Um, it was good to have him when he uh, 
the year he retired and talk about the history and you're going to enjoy this uh, throwback um, especially if you love a little Wisconsin band yes stay till the end folks stay till the end Red Smith Sports Awards Banquet Throwback The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin and also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. Thank you for but having me on, having me on, uh, following Chichi Rodriguez is a lot like, is a lot like going on your first blind date. <laughs> Isn't everything you'd hope for, but it's better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the second act here at Skyline Comedy Club. I'm not going to. Mike Crone. <laughs> Give it up for Mike. <laughs> So, how's kind of semi-retirement? Well, I haven't found out yet because uh, from the time I announced, we've had football, we've had a bowl trip, bowl game, won the pinstripe bowl, and uh, then we started right in with basketball and hockey. So I haven't really had a chance to digest it yet, but uh, it's coming soon. I don't have the picture, but you played basketball at Butler University. I did as a freshman, and you played with. You remember Joey Chitwood? Guy who makes the shot in Hoosiers? You played with the man that inspired that, correct? Bobby Plump. Bobby, Bobby Plump was a class, class yeah. classmate of mine. Yeah. Went to Milan High School, small school. Had, Little one, yeah. Yeah, I think it had 120 people in the whole high school to beat Muncie Central for the, for the state championship of Indiana. And when you beat, win the state championship in Indiana, you've done something mm -hmm. in that state because it's open class. There was no class division. And uh, Bobby went on to be at Butler, and I got to know him very well. And uh, he's, he is a true legend. I mean, yeah. he, uh, Bobby told me once uh, since he made that shot, he's never had to buy another drink in his life. <laughs> <laughs> so you take over the program here, well, down the road, 50 years ago. Tell me about the state of it at the time. One very good. It was Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. But the state of it was, it was an unusual time to take over. We hadn't won a football game in 20 four times i think oh. we had not won we we tied a couple in there but we hadn't won no, and uh, then uh the team was wasn't doing really well uh we were in the middle of that conflict that war that was going on true, at the time so true. it wasn't a popular thing to put on a uniform and march around <laughs> not in not in wisconsin right and it was it was just a time where uh enrollment was kind of sagging there were a lot of things that that weren't going well and i was the third marching band director in three years so uh, -huh. uh, uh the man who preceded me by a couple of years was a man named ray devork who was a true legend in the history of the wisconsin band but ray had retired and there was there was that interim period where it just uh, it wasn't they didn't take advantage of the fact that they could have hired me right away. Okay. So you, <laughs> so you take a look at the situation. What immediately came to mind and what was it you said, this has to happen here? 
because everything was there. It was a sleeping giant. Yeah. It, it was like everything was in place. Uh, the people in the athletic department wanted to have have things going. Everything was in the right place. We had people who were enthusiastic. We had Wisconsin fans, and there's nothing like it. Uh, and I, I say that not to just to placate you, but it's, it's true. I mean, the Wisconsin fans are like no others. And I knew there was a base there that, that had to work. And I, I had willing kids who wanted to do what they had to do to make it work. It almost became like a fitness situation, didn't it? You had to be fit to be in the band. Yeah, well, in those days, we had some kids, and I don't want to hope there's no former football players here, but uh, <laughs> there were some of the kids who said uh, uh, being in band was harder than going out for the football team at that particular time. It may well have been. Remember, we didn't win for 24 in a row. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was uh, everybody, everything was in the right place, and that's, I, that, I really was pleased about that. So you start going out, and, and varsity kicks in. When did the fifth quarter actually start? 1978. How did it start? What did well, you cook it up at? The way the fifth quarter started was, uh, like a lot of good things that uh, become tradition, it was an ac accident. Uh, we had always played, all Big Ten bands do it. They, they go out on the field after the game is over, and you've all seen them, and they do their show. There it is. They stand there, and they play the show that they just played for halftime. Uh, I got a little bored with that, to tell you the truth, uh, at the beginning. I thought, this is, this is deadly. All, they, all we're doing is playing the same things that people have heard right. before. We're not doing anything different. There's nothing lively about it. We were waiting for the fans to leave the stadium. And so I said, well, let's, let's throw something in during the, the, the post game to maybe get the crowd involved. And the first thing we did was beer barrel polka. I know everybody in the room knows the beer barrel polka. polka. And you know the words, well, you think you know the words, but, but uh, you will sing some words. You'll sing words to it. And, and so I thought, well, this is a natural. And we tried it, and it worked. And I thought, well, this is, this is good. And a little bit later, the kids in the uh, band that were going to hockey games were doing a chant back and forth with the uh, people at uh, Dane County Coliseum where they would, they would say, less filling tastes great. I remember that yep. motto. And the, the two teams, the two fan bases would holler back and forth at each other. And I thought, well, you know, that's, that's not working because, first of all, it's, it's – uh, you know, maybe broadcasting a, a commercial product yeah. okay. wasn't a good idea. Uh, people in the stands might think students were drinking. <laughs> that wasn't a good idea. Uh, so I, 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 I said to the band, I said, when we get to that spot where they would say, taste less filling, taste great, we should, we should tell, when you say Wisconsin, you've, you've said, said it all. all. And, and we just, when they would stand up, we, we would jump up and say the same thing, try to overshadow them before long, it caught on. Beautiful. And the next thing you know, it became a part of the staple at the, at the post-game show. Uh, that same year, about the last couple games, uh, Elroy was getting complaints about the fact that people were Elroy shaking Bush. the upper deck when they did You Said It All. They were jumping up and down, and the upper deck was mm -hmm. shaking. And he was concerned that there was going to be a, a, fact, a safety factor. Uh, he went to the extent of having the t place tested, make sure that it was safe. And right. it was safe. It's the normal rocking motion that you would want to have in a, a, a structure like that. 
And then Jump Around came around. Yeah, well, yeah that, that was later, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but <laughs> so Elroy and I formulated, we're going to not do it, but we're going to tell the people we're not going to do it. We're going to say over the loudspeaker, we, uh, because of the safety concerns right. of, the, of the band and the athletic department, we're not going to play You Said It All until five minutes after the final gun. And so give and give all you people in the stands a chance to leave. Beautiful. Well, you know what happens. <laughs> no, nobody left. And so that that became a part of our uh, our legend, I guess. And uh, there was a local sports writer at the time in the State Journal named Glenn Miller, and he started calling it in the newspaper the fifth quarter. And I liked the sound of that, and it stuck. And uh, We've been doing it ever since. Do you remember a performance that stands out above anything else? You Rose Bowl, 1992 and uh, 90 or 93, 94. When Here was, they come in the Rose Bowl parade, yeah, by the way. That that was that was so much everything that I had hoped for. I'd been at the university 25 years when when we finally got to the Rose Bowl, and I had written it off. I thought it's never going to happen. I'm never going to get to see the Rose Bowl. And then magically. Barry put together a team and, and a magical season that uh, we, we won uh, the Big Ten Championship. We got to go to the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. We won the Rose Bowl, and it was just this magical. The whole week was just unlike Fantastic. anything I've experienced. Now, I've been there five other times, uh -huh. and they've all been great, but that first one was special. You inevitably had to tell the university that you were done, but you wanted to tell the band first, right? Yeah, I did. That, that's How'd that go? Uh, it was the hardest thing I've done up to this point. Uh, it was, it's a very hard thing because I didn't want to necessarily say it, but I knew it was time. Yeah. And it was the hardest thing I've, I've done. Uh, the, the kids in the band, I think, understood. They think they understand that, that uh, I would rather keep going as, and know that I could keep going rather than to say, uh, well, somebody should have told me a couple of years ago. And maybe, maybe there are people out there that we're saying that a couple of years ago, but, but uh, I, uh, that was my, my feeling about it. I felt like the time had come, and for some reason that 50 seemed kind of magical again for mm -hmm. me. Is there something you're going to miss more than anything else? The kids. Yeah. The kids in the band, because they, uh, they've made it special, and each day they make it special that uh, I get a chance to work with them. There's, uh, uh, you've heard a lot of people on this stage talk about how important the young people are, and they are. That's that's where the whole, that's where everything is going to happen. Good is going to happen, and and I I look around the band and I say these are the best people they're ever going to know in the rest of their lives. The people that are in the band, and that makes it very special for me. He is our Red Smith Award winner for an amazing career, 50 years. I have one thing before we go. What what what? Mike's crew's going to stick around and do a fifth quarter. How's that sound? Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Mike LeCrone on 50 years of fabulous work for the Badgers. Michael, thank you so much. Fantastic. Take a picture or two. Folks, it's that time. It's forgotten, and I'm never forgetting. Nailed it. It took me a while. <laughs> but Tosh, yeah, we're, we're forgetting stuff. We've forgotten stuff. And what has been forgotten in your world? Well, the one thing I'd like to forget uh, this time of year are the short days and the lack of sun. 
Yeah. I hate this time of year. Yeah. Agreed. This is a, this is tough. You know, it's tough to get outside. It's tough to, you know, get your body motivated to do anything. Um, you know, you four 30 at night, it's getting dark. Um, you know, it is a little warmer. I guess we take that tap that with a grain of salt, but it'd sure be nice to have a little bit of sun. Yeah. Well, we get a little bit more every, every day. So that that's encouraging, right? Glass half full guy here, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it takes a toll on the body, right? You're so tired. I, I, it's, it's so funny because you think, you know, June or d- July when that when we get so much sunlight, you you go outside at seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. You feel like it's middle of the afternoon. You're all fired up. Right. Boy, I, I can't even, I can't even get off down the hallway at seven thirty at night. I'm so exhausted because it's pitch. You know, it's been pitch black for so long. So I feel your pain. Exactly. I feel your pain. <laughs> So, Joe, what are you, what are you looking at here? Well, Tosh, I, I guess I didn't realize I had forgotten this. Maybe I never even knew this, but I ran across a really, really interesting stat for for my forgotten, and it's every single NFL season that's ever been played has either had Curly Lambeau, Tom Landry, or Bill Belichick coaching their teams. One of those three guys <laughs> has coached in every NFL season. And I guess I maybe never knew that, but I certainly, if I did, I certainly forgot that. And I think it's well worth bringing that back that we should never forget that. That's wow. kind of an insane stat. And it, it that, appears that, that it may come to an end after this season. I'm not sure Belichick gets picked up, but uh, it's not looking too good for Mr. Yeah. Belichick. Yeah. I, I, it's surprising. You think somebody would pick him up, but he is what seventy two, um, yeah. so you know maybe some of that and maybe some of his experience and control, those are some things that people are a little shying away from. But um, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with Mister, uh, possibly the goat of uh, of coaching, right? <laughs> yeah, goat of football. How about how about this? What if Paul Rabel, those two guys are tight. Maybe maybe Belichick's yeah. a PLL head coach. See how, how that goes. There That'd you be go. Kind of cool. I've seen him with a stick in his hand, so it's his favorite thing ever. If if anybody ever really wants to know what Bill Belichick is like, he's actually super intelligent, obviously. But Paul Rabel, who's maybe the best lacrosse player to ever play, uh, had a podcast. Uh, I think it was called like Suited Up or something like that by Paul Rabel. It was probably four or five years ago, but he had the most incredible interview with Bill Belichick I ever heard. I mean, Belichick yeah. loves lacrosse and. It was, if you can find that anywhere, I'd, I'd highly recommend that as a listen. Nice. Well, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So we forgot stuff, but what's something we're going to never forget? How about you, Tash? What what well, are you never forgetting? Well, I kind of came back to this, um, and it only happened because it's being remodeled right now, and that's the, uh, the Appleton Public Library, or public libraries in general. Um, kind of went away, you know, get your books and maybe go buy them or start reading them on my, on your phone or your device. But when the public library started to remodel and it moved over to my side of the town at Best Buy, I, I've kind of, kind of gotten back to getting books and oh, nice. and getting them from the library. So uh, yeah, you know, public libraries are great. You can get audio books, you can get books on your phone. Um, I still kind of like to sit in bed and read a little bit with yeah. the, uh, the 
paper book. There's still something about oh, turning awesome. the page that I like. It's so funny you yeah. say that, Tash. That, that's actually one of my New Year's resolutions is I want to I want to read more. And and I've, I've got them right next to me. I got like six books staring me down right now as, <laughs> as I'm recording the newscast. They're looking at me. They want me to read them. And uh, yeah, you're there right. You There's go. nothing better than reading. I've, I've, I've got some friends that do the same thing. That was actually uh, that. That's funny you said that. That was one of their New Year's resolutions as well was to read more so hell yeah everybody should read more it's a it's a great absolutely a great deal i gotta ask you maybe i asked you this one other time but I've, it's the great debate if you listen to an audiobook have you read the book can you can you can you put that as a check mark that i read the book or how do you how do you view that <laughs> uh that's a good question because i i don't think i've ever been able to listen to an audiobook I just, I just haven't done it yet. It's, it sounds kind of weird um, being in a day and age, but I can listen to a podcast, but listening to somebody read a book um, for some reason does not work for me. <laughs> I have to read it myself. Well, there, there's <laughs> no doubt I, I've found that you you have to have the right narrator. That that makes all the difference yeah. in the world. I, I can't – if I don't like the narrator, I'm not going to listen to it. Uh, but I have – I've, I've there's several books that I've I've listened to here to to quite a few now recently and and I kind of enjoy it. I mean, I still my preferred method is to sit down and put the readers on and and, and get in a well lit room <laughs> now, uh, and th then I'll read. But uh, yeah, no, I I still like to read. Um, but audiobooks, I don't know. It's 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 a forever yep. debate for sure. Joe, what are you never forgetting? Well, Tash, in, in some of our earlier episodes, you, you may have heard of my journey of, of learning how to play disc golf and having a good time with that. And, you know, it's wintertime. It's been a while since I played disc golf. And gosh darn it, here in the city of Appleton, thank you, at Pierce Park and Tallulah Park, they keep the baskets up and went out and played a little disc golf this afternoon, Tash. And I'm never forgetting nice. the fact that I threw a disc down a fairway and january of 2024 it was a good time there you go nothing wrong with that not often you can say that so no absolutely That's awesome. so never forget that you can play disc golf year round so there you go well guys well folks that's uh that's i'm never forgetting and it's forgotten and if you didn't realize i just reversed those two but it's our it's our little quirky segment anyway folks hope you enjoyed and thanks for listening to the news cast don't forget to uh like, subscribe, tell a friend, share with a friend. Thank you for listening to another great episode of the NoosaCast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd hit up our social pages, subscribe, like, follow, and don't be afraid to engage. Head over to our YouTube channel to get exclusive content like the full interviews and speeches from past Red Smith banquets. Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thank you to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Help us grow by subscribing wherever you get your pods or sharing the NoosaCast. Follow us on Facebook, X, 
TikTok, or Instagram. One of the best ways to help us grow is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and bring greater awareness for youth sports organizations in Northeast Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives, the Every Kid Plays Grant, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student athletes. 